Hey everyone, welcome to Moving Forward, the podcast for the work truck industry. We seek out conversations with industry leaders and discuss issues that we're all facing today. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with other industry friends. And now our host, the 51st president of NTEA, the Association for the Work Truck Industry, Jeff Messer. Welcome to the Moving Forward podcast. I'm here today with Todd Davis of Phoenix Truck and Van. Welcome, Todd. Good afternoon, Jeff. It's always good to be with you. Yes. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, this uh, is obviously the uh, inaugural season of the podcast, and I'm trying to, to hit up all of my good friends, and I appreciate you uh, willing to, to jump on and let me ask you some questions. So we'll, we'll get right into it. Um, I wanted to first find out how you got into truck equipment. I'm always intrigued with the people's stories, how they got into the industry. So it's, it's kind of a real old school story. Um, <clears throat> my now partner's father started this business in 1978. So we'd worked here during summers and, you know, run, sweep, clean the bathroom, sweep the floors, that kind of stuff. And we'd make, you know, some, some side cash. But after college, we kind of went our separate ways. And then um, we were playing basketball in his backyard. I was 26 years old. And he was like, I was living in San Diego working for uh, a Fortune 200 company in their sales department. And he goes, hey, it's time. I go, it's time for what? He's like, it's time to come run the business. And from there, here we are, 30 plus years later. I, I love that story. And, you know, still a family owned business. Yep. Yep. Um, so, and uh, so Rick's, when, it, when we started together, it was Rick and his brother and myself, and um, his brother has moved on, and so it's been exclusively me and Rick for a while now, so it's been a ton of fun. So let's talk about the business. Uh, what problem does Phoenix solve? You know, it's, it's interesting you ask that, um, because we have an overarching you know, business strategy, but the problem that we solve is different for each vertical, right? So if we have a big utility fleet, um, you know, for them, they may need, you know, total turnkey where you're doing systems integration and IT, and then, you know, they don't have a, a let's say a QC department because, you know, they're taking in 600 vehicles a year and they don't have the money for a, a, an inspector. So then you're, you're in charge of inspections as well. And then fleet management companies, well, again, our overarching strategy is still the same, but, you know, they have, um, you know, a particular need that they have, you know, accurate on-time delivery, um, you know, help us make sure that, that, that what the customer wants or what they articulated is actually in the truck or the van by the time they get it. And then, as you know, commercial truck dealers, they have their very, very specific set of needs, you know, which is inventory, speed to market and, uh, you know, price needs. So Phoenix is a bit of a hybrid too. I know you do some manufacturing as well as upfitting. Um, how did that come about? Did you start truly as a manufacturer and then evolve or have you always done both? So I'm glad you asked that question because when I started, we were exclusively high content manufacturers. So we build our own bodies. We didn't distribute anybody else's bodies. And we operated in that, you know, the 20% of the market that did 
um, you know, cranes and compressors and backhoes. And so we'd, we'd make a custom body and, and we would integrate all of the systems. And so we were doing the complicated stuff that a lot of people didn't want to do, that most people didn't want to do. Um, we weren't doing any commercial dealership work because it was, you know, more commodity driven. So um, we did that and, and actually we did quite well. Um, it was so well that uh, probably 15, 20 years ago, time goes fast, Jeff, you know that. So let's say, let's say 20 years ago, one of our largest utility customers came to us and they said, look, we appreciate what you're doing for us in this, you know, high content space. But what we really need now is we're buying, and let's say hundreds of light duty equipment uh, every year. So we don't have a good source for that. And um, so we'd like you guys to get into light duty business. And by light duty, it was, it was you know, light truck upfits, van upfits, kind of commodity service bodies. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at her and, and uh, I was like, yeah, well, we're, we're, we're manufacturers. It's what we do. I'm not sure that we could, you know, we don't really want to go into that space. And um, she was like, oh, all right. Well, th thanks for coming in and talking. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And uh, so I walked in two weeks later and I remember it just like it was yesterday. Her name was Eva Roscoe. She goes, Todd, Todd, hey, come on in my office. So I, I walked into her office and, you know, just, hey, well, new orders for me today. And she goes, well, I thought about our conversation the other day and, well, I've decided you're wrong. And she reached under her desk and she picked up a stack about three inches thick of purchase orders and she slapped it on her desk and she goes, figure it out. There's 200, there's 200 units, figure it out. Wow. And, and from that day, we were trying to figure out how to do light duty in van. So that's how it started. I mean, I think that's a testament to the relationship piece that she had so much trust and um, built so much rapport with you that she could tell you, you're going to, you're going to be my outfitter now. Yeah, this is what you're doing because yeah. And, and, you know, back in that day, um, there was a lot of smaller outfitters that were doing, that were in the light duty space. So they'd have to send, you know, 10 trucks over here and 10 trucks over there. And there was no consistency to electrical. There's no consistency even to how things were being mounted in vans. So we provided that. So yeah, that's, that's how we became kind of this, this full line uh, manufacturer distributor. Very interesting. Uh, so sticking with kind of the company here, um, describe the culture at Phoenix. Jeff, that is probably our biggest key to success. I mean, you, you know, our friend Steve Carey at the NTA and, and Steve always, you know, always talks about how people are your assets, their resources, you know, I mean, they are your company. So Think about how they do, what they do, and what they don't do every day, because that's who represents you and your brand. So <clears throat> Rick and I actually, my partner, Rick, we, um, we have kind of six concepts or tenets that, we, that we've used to develop a culture. And um, so here's, here's a few of them, right? So individual differences need to be nurtured. So it's the relationship between production and sales and engineering. So if you think about it, right, does engineering drive, drive this transaction, does sales drive this transaction? And, and, and how do you get 
the engineers in the same room with the salespeople in the same room with those running production and help everyone see the end game so that they all work together and play nicely. Um, we practice radical honesty. I mean, it is with our partners and with our employees as well. Um, hey, work. We, I believe that culturally, if we can make work, the job that somebody's doing every day feel rewarding, feel essential, um, that's, that's huge. And, and that essential words come up in our industry a lot, right, since COVID. So um, it, I'm, I'm going to talk on that just a minute because that's interesting in that a lot of industries probably would struggle mightily to, you know, show their employees what essential looks like and what rewarding looks like. Well, we drive around every day and get to see, oh, hey, we built that or, hey, well, there's another one that we built, and, you know, just driving down the freeway and seeing what you see. Um, so that's that's a big deal when people talk about, you know, what do you do? Well, it's like, hey, do you, you see those trucks? Well, yeah, I see them. I don't really look at them. Uh, well, that's what we built. Um, yeah, it's, it's so tangible that you know right. you, you can point to it and they last a long time. So they're they're continually out there. It's right. It's 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 good. So here's here's my essential story. I, I want to share this one with you. So very beginning of COVID, um, it was I mean just when California shut down. I mean, people, it took me, it took me 30 minutes to get to work and it usually takes me an hour. I mean, freeways are empty. So we get in and, and all, everybody's just kind of looking at each other. I mean, all the employees are, they're here and it's like, well, what, what are we going to do? What happens? Right. And well, like we knew, nobody really knew. So we got a, an email from two of our largest customers, LA County Fire and Southern California Gas Company. And both of them said, we are essential to the county of Los Angeles and, and, and our customers. And you are providing equipment to us. Therefore, you are essential. Go ahead and print this off and give it to your employees to put in their glove box in case they get pulled over, right? But it was, it was that moment that the whole essential thing became just in our face. And we, we got to tell everybody, uh, immediately it's like hey we're essential look this is who we build for and they need their trucks and so uh it, that was really really kind of a watershed moment for us because we got t-shirts made for everybody you know the essential thing so that was uh that was a ton of fun so have you found that that makes it easier to find people i know you know there's a huge shortage of skilled labor but because of that culture you have and that mentality that you are in essential, uh, have you had success in finding folks? So, yeah. Um, you know, we're obviously very blessed. You know, we, we sit in a metropolitan area that has over 23 million people. So if we have, when, when you combine that, just that size of labor pool and the fact that we work so hard at culture, it, when you add those two together, we have been very blessed in that um, we have not had big problems. Dare I say, we've we've had minimal problems at hiring. So uh, you know, we've we've culturally again, when you combine the two, we've been very very blessed. Now, geographically, does that help? You're in Pomona. Um, 
I'm not hundred percent certain uh, as far as the demographics of the area, but do most of your employees live in that area or do they have to, to commute in? So it's interesting. So Pomona is in South, we're in LA County, but across the street is San Bernardino County. So we have people that can come in from the high desert. They can come in from San Bernardino County and Riverside County. And we have some people. So, so you can come from Los Angeles and drive out um, or you can have and a lot of new developments in California where people can afford, you know, homes is out in Riverside and San Bernardino County. So we're, uh, we're in a really good spot to have people come in from all different directions. Yeah, no, it's very strategic. All right, let's uh, shift gears a little from the, the company to you personally. Um, talk to me about how you build and develop your network with other business leaders. So I had a friend of mine, um, Eric Nelson, great friend of mine in college. And he went, went after his undergrad, joined the Navy, got out of the Navy, went and got his MBA from SC. And he was just getting started in his MBA. And he looks at me and he goes, all right, Todd, you've got to find an association within your industry and you've got to just engage with it. And I looked at him like he was crazy. I'm like, no, that, that, that he's like, I'm telling you, that's what you have to do. And it was one of my, you know, one of the first friends of mine that was, was in grad school. And so he, uh, he was like, I'm telling you, you're wrong. So fast forward seven or eight years and the an NTA opportunity presented itself. And so um, networking within that group, both at trade shows, large ones, small ones, all of it. And then being fortunate enough to join the board and meet, you know, guys like you, uh, it, it's, it, it's been invaluable. Yeah, I, I would second that. Obviously, you and I met on the NTA board many years ago, it seems like now, <laughs> but uh, obviously the NTEA is the association for the work truck industry and um, really has uh, become firmly entrenched in our industry. And it, it, it is the industry now. So definitely join the yeah. NTEA and, and network and attend all the events you can. Right. Say yes. Say yes. What do you do uh, locally or regionally in Southern California? Are you involved in any uh, boards or cohorts or groups in that area? No, um, we don't, you know, other than having the local truck clubs and things mm -hmm. like that um, at the dealer level. But no, that's something that that kind of as I enter this next chapter of my career, that's something that I hope to um, to develop because we really don't have anything out here that's that is like a regional version of NTA. So, sure. yeah. So share with me, uh, I don't know, maybe a personal habit or part of your daily routine that you think contributes to your ongoing success. You know, um, I move, I move every day. Some days I walk, some days I lift, some days I, I get on a bike, but, um, just moving every day. Um, and I'm obviously older than you. So at this point, it's not <laughs> obvious. Point, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, um, yeah, that, that's probably, yeah, that's probably the best that habit that my father um, and my mother both kind of instilled on us. It was like, just keep moving. Even on those days, you don't want to get out, walk the dog, walk, just, just every day you got to do something. 
So did you grow up uh, active? Were you playing sports as a kid? I did. Um, uh, but the activity was, so, so yeah, I played football, baseball, soccer, all that. Um, but it was interesting. It's interesting because um, family vacations were like, we backpacked. I mean, that was what my dad did. That was his, that was escapism for him. And so we, uh, we backpacked. Um, I mean, I peaked Mount Whitney when I was, I don't know, 12, 13, um, did half dome when I was 13 or 14. Um, and those, so, so again, just moving outdoors. It was, it was great. So would you go on like multi-day trips with the family? Yeah, we, so yeah, you can go. Um, yeah. I mean, back then, if, if you could get in the country square station wagon and drive it, that's how you did vacations. There were no planes. There yeah. were no nothing. That's, that's awesome. That's such a great experience. It was. I mean, you know, we did, you know, from, from Cerritos, California, we could do the Grand Canyon and we could do, you know, Vegas and we could go to Yosemite and, and all of that. So it was, that's what we did. So when's the last time you spent the night on your back on the ground or, or on a camping mat? Uh, probably three years ago. So yeah, there's a spot up in, um, up in the Sierras, the Eastern Sierras that we've, uh, we've gone to my grandfather vacation at this very same camping site. He took my dad there. He took us there. We took our children there. So it's one of those uh, family traditions that we've, we did and still do. That is very cool. I just don't go every year. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the most important personality or character trait a successful business leader should have and or develop. Humility. Ooh, that's a good one. Talk to me about that. So, you know, it, it's important to, to be able to listen. It's important to, I'm sorry, not be able to, but want to. It's important, in, in my opinion, it's important to um, to want to put yourself in a room full of people that are smarter than you. It, it's important that you want to hire people that are smarter than you um, and embrace that. Um, and, and then empower the people, empower those smart people that you're trying to be around um, in, in our business specifically. But I mean, I remember back to NTA, I mean, I remember sitting in my first meeting thinking how, awesome and refreshing it was because, I mean, there are people from completely different business sizes and, uh, and different regions of the country. And I mean, I, I just enjoy the heck out of that. So yeah, that, that's what I would say, you know, be, humility to business leader, it matters um, a lot. Take, you know, give, give credit and take, um, Give credit and take blame. So that kind of ties into an approach to failure, you know, talk about humility and, and being humble in it. So how, how do you approach failure in making mistakes? So we have a thing around here about failing forward. Mm. Um, and it's, it's especially in the last probably five years, we've worked hard at hiring the next generation. Um, and so, you know, we have this age band that is 25 to 35. And, you know, regardless of what segment of our business they're in, whether it's production or engineering or sales, um, it's 
really important. And I think we've done a, 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 an above average job at making everybody comfortable enough to make a decision and go with it. Right. And just, just make the decision. We're going to live with it. If it's, and, and now you're not just going to make it flippantly. I mean, you're going to process everything um, and make a, make a sound decision that's good for the business, but you're also going to make a decision that's good for the customer. And, um, and if it's hundred percent, right, great. If it's mostly right, great. And if it's wrong, well, we'll learn from it and let's not make the decision, the same decision twice. So you talked about kind of filling the bench in the company and, and getting uh, some of those young people in. What, what are your uh, hopes and dreams for Phoenix in the next five years? That, Jeff, is that is my joy right now. I mean, Rick and I worked hard to get where we are right now. This business is is in a really nice place right now, but to build that bench and to watch those, those youngsters, right? Um, youngsters, 25 to 35, actually get more confidence every day and start looking at the field um, with, with, with more um, confidence and um, start working internally between, we talked about the engineering and the production, the sales team and, and, and working cooperative, cooperatively within them um, that's what's exciting to me. I mean, I can't wait to see where this next group takes this company. What are they going to do with it? What is it going to look like 10 years from now? You know, what's mess, what's mess or try women going to look like 10 years from now? I mean, that's the exciting part. Sure. Because they're going to think of stuff that you could never think of, and it's going to be wildly successful. You're like, wow, I'm glad I empowered that individual or, or coached him up and watch him grow. Right. So here's one. I mean, this came up last Thursday. Somebody was talking about crypto, one of the one of the age band 25 to 35 cryptocurrency as part of our compensation package. I was like, wait, what? So, yeah, cryptocurrency, you know, uh, there, there are companies now, again, you're trying to hire, you know, young, smart people. And if you have a traditional 401k, um, you know, it, it looks OK. But if you offer this, might you get an employee you otherwise might not have? And I'm not saying all those ideas are going to go forward, but I was, I was just shocked that this was on the table and I love it. Yeah, no, it's different enough to differentiate and, and maybe right? someone gives you a second chance because you have that on the plate. Right. So, well, let's go over to the, the rapid fire round here. Um, okay. What are you reading or listening to right now? So um, every day I'll start with the journal for 30 minutes. That's just a daily thing. That's, you know, that's, that's a business daily, but for entertainment, for fun, I am a, you know, action espionage, political thriller guy. So, you know, I'm a Vince Flynn, Brad Thor right now. I'm, I'm about four into uh, the gray man series, um, which is Mark Graney. And uh, that's, that's what I do for just escapism. And are you an audible guy or a paper guy? As far so, as how, how you get, I'm a books. paper guy. I'm a paper guy when okay. it comes to my entertainment, um, you know, my consumption of, of those types of books. Yeah. That's how I'm doing it. Okay. Okay. Uh, give me a personal core value that you live by. Um, you know, I try 
and give grace because I have been given more grace than I probably deserve. And so I try really hard to give grace regularly, mindfully and thoughtfully, and um, both professionally and, and, and personally as well. And that can be hard to do. I can speak firsthand to that. Yeah, I didn't say I was <laughs> exceptional at it, but I'm 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 a work in progress. At least you're focused on it. Yeah, right. So I'm I'm sure you're still uh, interviewing folks at your position. You know, being involved in that process. Do you have a favorite interview question? I do. Um, I like to start with like right out of the gate. It's like, so tell me something about my company, and they'll stop. I said. Okay, tell me everything you know about my company. And those people that have prepared mm -hmm. will tell you as much as they can from what they read on the website or what they think they know. But some people will just lock up because they didn't do any research on the company at all. Have, have you had people say some surprising things to you, like either negative or positive? No, you know, I, I, I'm still surprised at how many people come in with no knowledge of the company. You sure, know? totally unprepared. Just, again, look at the website. Just, just spend 10 minutes in your car beforehand. But if you're not even prepared enough to do that, um, yeah, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not certain we're going to be able to work together. Sure, sure. So give us uh, one little tidbit that we'd be surprised to learn about you. I have ridden my bicycle with my father, my brother, and my sister, most of the coast of California. So San Francisco to the Mexican border. We've done it on highway one on bikes. In, in like one spell or, or uh, picking away uh, pieces did, over time? No, no, we did. We did San Francisco to home. So San Francisco to LA and one one seven day trip. And then we did San Diego from LA to San Diego, probably three or four times. Wow. What would possess you to do that? My back to my father, being <laughs> always moving. you know, that was, that was vacations to him. And, and, and it, again, Jeff, I mean, you, you're camping in big Sur and you're camping in, and some places that are just amazing. And that's what you do. We didn't stay in hotels. We, all the stuff was on the bike and we'd throw the tent up and throw the bags out. And that's what you, that's where you slept. So how many miles a day would you do then? Um, like on, you know, on average? Well, it varied with terrain. I mean, yeah. it, but it was, um, you know, it was probably 80. I mean, now here's wow. the thing. My brother was 11. My sister was 13 and I was 15 when we did the big run. So my younger brother was doing this at 11 years old and somehow my father thought this was a great idea, but, uh, it was, and you're just riding like 10 speeds. You didn't have yeah. like nice cycling yes. bikes or anything. Old school, 10 speeds. Yep. That was it. That's pretty awesome. It really is. It's a good story. <laughs> Thanks. Um, talk a little bit about the industry and what, what's your least favorite part of our industry. You know, I, I think it's back to being, you know, the values that I, um, that we here at Phoenix try and nurture and, and we surround ourselves with people that are, that are open and transparent. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I know that evolution happens every day. I know that 
you know, in a vertical integration is going to happen for manufacturers. I know all of that, but just, I, I just wish that there was more transparency and more genuine honesty as the industry continues to evolve. Okay. Well, let's go positive. What's your favorite part? People. I like people. I, I, I'm a people, you know, I, I appreciate people of all kinds. Um, and uh, this industry is full of all kinds, as you know, Jeff. Um, so I, I just, I, I enjoy um, back to my NTA experience, right? Um, I enjoy sitting in that room and talking to um, you, Mark Woody, who is, you know, working for a multinational, you know, company who's looking at the world very different than you in Maine and me in California. And, you know, it's just, I just, I really, really appreciate all of the people in our industry. Yeah. And I, I've heard that from others as well. And I would second it that uh, the relationship piece um, is still alive and well in our industry. And it's great because without it, I think you wouldn't have the quality people that you have because they'd be gone because that, you know, people are here because of those interpersonal relationships with everyone. Yep. Exactly. So I know you, you've talked about kind of the next generation coming up and in the, the, the young kids that are working for you and um, you know, coming into the industry and are, are going to take us to the next generation in closing, do you have any, um, a piece of advice or a final tip, uh, for someone that would be coming into the industry? I think I hope my hope is that I talked a little bit earlier about gratitude and humility and grace. Um, I think if you can fundamentally lead a business with those traits, um, everything's going to be fine because you're going to, good people will gravitate to you. You'll create a culture to where people feel respected. Um, and good things happen when there's good people around you. Well, thank you so much, Todd. It uh, was very insightful. I always learn more information, even though I've known you for many years. Uh, this is great. That, uh, I didn't realize you had such a rich backpacking and cycling and outdoors uh, childhood. So that, that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, so for our listeners, uh, if you could tell us where people could learn more about Phoenix truck and van, um, and, and find more about you. So our website is Phoenix Ent, but we spell Phoenix P H E N I X E N T. So phoenixent.com. Well, thank you again, Todd. Uh, this has been the moving forward podcast and I really appreciate you joining me. Oh, this is, this is a lot of fun, Jeff. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed our episode. More episodes can be found at movingforwardpodcast.com or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever finer podcasts are found. If you'd like to contact the show, please drop me a line at worktruckpod at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at worktruckpod.